This is Following Jesus into a World in Crisis. I'm Andrew, and together we are exploring how we live as wise and loving neighbors in the wake of COVID-19. Now, we haven't experienced anything quite like this before, but we believe that we can find hope and peace by turning to Jesus. And with his help, we can make peace in a fearful world. Let's get into today's podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Man, I so wish we were having this conversation over coffee or maybe even lunch from one of our favorite spots that have been temporarily shut down because of COVID-19. We miss seeing you and really are praying for you a lot, so please don't hesitate to reach out. If there's anything at all we can do to serve you, we'd really jump at the chance to do it. Also, we've got all kinds of creative ways for you to remain connected. Now that it's the 21st century, there's all kinds of options for us, and we've really been working hard to um, remain engaged as the people of Jesus and actually lean into the moment that we're in rather than sort of grieve the fact that we can't gather in our normal ways. We're getting creative, and I'm excited about what we've come up with. Now, it's Holy Week. And we're thinking so differently this year, obviously. Normally, we would be getting ready for a Good Friday service and um, a really awesome Easter celebration on on Sunday. But things are looking so differently right now because of COVID-19. We did record what I think is going to be a really amazing Easter gathering. So uh, please stay tuned for that. But um, we're also saying, okay, this is a really unique time when Easter intersects with coronavirus. How is Jesus inviting us? What role are we supposed to play in bringing hope to the world? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're exploring this idea that moments of cultural crisis can give rise to widespread gospel awakening. And this is something we've seen throughout the history of the church in previous generations with war or pandemic or just upheaval of all kinds. It's actually a unique moment for the gospel to go forward and for Jesus to bring his power and bring redemption in interesting ways. Now, I'm not saying that we're happy COVID-19 is taking the world by storm. Not at all. And I'm not even saying that God is the one making it happen. That's a question of theodicy that we'll have to save for another time. And when we do that, I'll make sure that someone way smarter than me is leading that conversation because that's a big one. But what I am saying is that a central theme of the biblical narrative is that God takes things that are evil and he uses it for good. And that's because he's just filled with and emanating with his this creative and redemptive power. It's who he is. It's what he does. He's a creative God. and he redeems things that are broken, and he heals them, and he makes them whole. And really, that's the reason why we're doing this podcast. We believe that for us, this is our moment to rise up, maybe more than other times in our life, because there just are moments that are more world-altering and more significant than others, and this one just feels like, in our lifetime, is maybe one of the more significant moments. So we want to lean into, what is Jesus doing right now? And how do we join him in it? So first of all, it's a call to prayer. COVID-19 is a call to prayer if there ever was one. This is time for us to fall on our knees and to cry out for God to move with power and to heal our land. And that's what 
we're doing multiple times every single week. There's so many opportunities for you to join me and to join our team in prayer. So please do that. Also, with Easter coming up, I have got another very specific call to action as it relates to your prayer life and uh, the awakening that we want to see God do in our time. So please, please, please um, stay tuned for that. I could not be more passionate and excited about this. I know my family kind of... um, (laughs) Kind of rolls their eyes at this point when I start talking about prayer for revival, but um, but we're all on board and we're all in this together. And so I really want to encourage you to join me in it. We're also seeing COVID-19 as a call to redemptive action, radical, sacrificial love. And this is something we've talked about with my friend Dave over previous podcasts. And it's also something we've started with Care Crews. It's just Care Crew is just saying yes to loving your neighbor. So if you haven't already registered to be a part of a Care Crew, Say yes. Jump on board with us. All you have to do is go to our website, register um, yourself or a group of people, and we'll get you hooked up. It's very simple. We're taking you through some guided practices that will help you get really proactive and really engaged in loving the people who are around you and caring for one another's well-being. It's an important time to do that. We need each other now more than ever. And then we also believe that COVID-19 is a call to live a life of peace in a chaotic and anxious world. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. How um, living a life of peace might actually be a catalyst for revival. So we're going to talk about how I think that's possible. And number two, we're going to go a little bit deeper into how we actually do it. How do we become a non-anxious, peaceful person and actually make peace in this time? It's one thing to say it. It's a whole other thing to live it. And that's what I want to do. And I want to encourage all of us to do is to not just be good talkers, but to actually practice what we preach. And then we're going to end with a guided prayer practice. Practice, uh, releasing our anxieties and receiving the peace of the Lord. And um, this is something that we typically do quite often in our gatherings or when we pray together, um, but it's a little bit new to try this practice over a podcast, but we're going to give it a try. So at the end of today, I just want to invite you to um, just stop whatever you're doing and stop work if you're doing that or whatever, and just Find some time, be alone with the Lord, and we'll go through a guided prayer practice together where we're practicing His peace. So the premise is this. We're living in an anxious time and culture. Stats on anxiety in the last couple of years have been just off the charts, and now, since COVID-19 has hit, I can only imagine what those statistics on anxiety must be. However, Jesus has taught us how to live free from worry and anxiety. And I'm thinking about those of you who I've had conversations with lately who are very anxious and very worried and very afraid right now because of COVID-19 and just your life in general. And I understand and my heart goes out to you. And I really believe that the Lord is releasing you from the bonds of anxiety. And maybe it'll, this podcast will be catalytic. Hopefully it will be. Maybe it'll be your just community or your care crew praying for you, with you. Maybe it's a Zoom call with your counselor, whatever the case may be. We uh, believe that Jesus is in the process of setting you free from worry and anxiety. And we believe that um, that's coming for you. And I cannot wait to hear the story of victory. Um, So please share that with me. Uh, But then also, um, like going even deeper into this idea that by living as non-anxious, peaceful people, eventually that courage, that faith becomes infectious within the anxious world that we live in. 
And as I'm saying that word out loud, infectious, it's making me think so much differently about the term, especially given the moment we're in. So you're probably thinking by now that this idea of becoming a non-anxious presence is too smart for me to come up with on my own. And you're totally and completely right. This idea was introduced to me first by the great Mark Sayers in his book, Reappearing Church. And if you, by the way, if you haven't picked up Reappearing Church yet, you need to do it. It is um, probably one of my favorite books from 2019. And um, it's actually coaching us in some really specific ways on how we move into the moment that we're in. I think it it was published before COVID-19. But I think it might actually be prophetic for the moment we're in. Mark Sayers is an incredible thinker and Jesus follower and also a practitioner. He's not just talk. So um, I'm really grateful um, to be able to have his, his book as a, as a tool to help us move into this moment. So in Reappearing Church, Mark Sayers explores this premise that we're talking about, becoming a non-anxious presence, as a renewal principle. Like It's a key ingredient for how... Um, revival takes place in a culture. And uh, here's how his argument goes. He says that anxiety is a really infectious emotion, right? And that again, that word infectious um, is taking on a whole new meaning for me today than it did a couple of months ago. But especially in the image-driven, media-driven culture that we're in, we tend to like mirror the emotional responses of the people around us. The first thing that we do when we wake up is turn off our alarm on our iPhone, and then we're hit with like the 30 or 40 or 50 notifications from our news outlets or from uh, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, or just our text messages. And we tend to uh, mirror and react to the various ways, uh, the various things that are going on in our world based on how other people are responding to it and reacting to it. Now, in a healthy society, in a healthy culture, anxiety is sort of in check across the population because there are enough emotionally mature, wise, peaceful people to bring balance to the society. So just like think about the people in your life who seem to always be having a good day. They're always calm. They always know how to deal with difficult moments and difficult people, right? It's, it's, it's people like that in a healthy c- culture and society that help sort of balance out the cultural anxiety and the ambient anxiety that, that exists in, in culture naturally. But again, according to Sayers, stats on anxiety in Western culture, and this is not just uh, Sayers who's saying this, it's like a thousand sociologists are saying that, 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 that um, we are in a moment of steep emotional regression. And if you've been around Riverbend long, we actually talk about this from time to time, that despite the fact that we have like the highest standard of living out of any other generation in, in the history of the world that we know of, we've experienced all kinds of progress in comparison to other times and cultures. We are living in utopia. We've got fantastic coffee. We've got all the outdoor adventure that we could possibly want. And we live at this incredible standard of living. At the same time, we're more fearful and uncertain and scared and anxious and worried than ever before as well. So it's this inverse relationship between our quality of living and our emotional health. And so sociologists and and, uh, spiritual directors and Christians uh, across the world are beginning to ask the question like, well, how could this be? And remember, all of this data was published and out before COVID-19 ever hit. So if you're paying attention to what's happening in the world around us, which I hope that you are, you can see that we're sort of following what uh, Mark Sayers calls the emotionally feverish playbook. 
We're reactive. Step one, we're reactive. We're not operating from a deep sense of inner values. We're more reacting impulsively and emotionally based on the shifting attitude of the moment. So we wake up and whoever our main influences are, however they're responding to this moment, we're responding to this moment. And that can be dangerous because that leads into what Sayers calls the herd mentality, which is sort of accommodating the emotionally immature whims of the people around us rather than being directed by an outside um, larger authority who brings balance to our opinions and our worldview. So we see this all around us. We're sort of pushed and tossed around by how other people are responding and sort of following uh, in a herd sort of mentality. And that leads, of course, to blame shifting. And blame shifting occurs because of insecurity and, for, and because of fear. We feel the need to sort of deflect responsibility to others so that, re- so that responsibility doesn't fall on us. And then, of course, the, the, um, the trick of Western culture, of course, is that we want the quick fix. The quick fix. Uh, you know, just we want, we want out of our difficult situation as quickly as possible. How do we get there? And so we're not really interested in formation. We're not really interested in character development. We're not really interested in rising to t- challenging moments. We're really just interested in how do I get out of these awful feelings right now? It's the quick fix mentality. So this is the emotionally toxic uh, textbook playbook. Right? This, is, this is what it means to be in an anxious society. So the way out, right? So as we're talking about this, I don't want you to get more anxious. I want you to get less anxious. So I apologize. I promise the, the good news is about to, to come here in a second. but. That's why we want to talk about this. What is the way out? And according to Sayers, we need change agents or self-differentiated leaders, people who um, are following after Jesus from within the toxic, anxious system that we live in to show people the way to peace. So we're not parachuting out or escaping out of the emotionally toxic world that we live in. We're actually becoming a change agent from within the anxious system. We're showing people the way to peace. And that's who we want to become. We want to be that kind of presence in our world. And that's exactly who Jesus teaches us to become. So um, you are probably um, already familiar with the reality that the most common command in Scripture that we know of is do not be afraid. Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount to not worry about our lives. Matthew chapter 6, groundbreaking, absolutely um, revolutionary teaching. Do not be afraid about your life. You don't have to worry because God takes care of the sparrows, right? He's talking about how sparrows have a place to lie their head and, and always are well taken care of and have things to eat. The Lord takes care of them, and we are so much more valuable than him. One of my favorite scriptures as well right now, 2 Timothy 1.7, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. And um, more anecdotally, Countless times in the Gospels, way too many to count. The disciples, Jesus' is 12, are just frantic about stuff. They're, they're worried about how they're going to feed everyone, for example. There's 5,000 of them, and they're all in, the, all in the middle of nowhere, and Jesus says, you feed them. And they're frantic about it. They're frantic about the different storms on the Sea of Galilee. They're, they're frantic about what other people are saying about Jesus and what the, other, what the powers that be wanted to do to Jesus. They wanted to arrest him and see him... Uh, crucified, right? And, and so 
in this time, the disciples are, are freaked out. They're worried. They're anxious. But Jesus is this immovable attitude and presence of peace. And he's just totally filled with the peace of God. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this is when Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee with his 12 disciples. There's an incredible storm. And you got to remember, the disciples were used to the Sea of Galilee, and they were you know, hardened fishermen. So they were used to storms. And Jesus was asleep in the hole of the ship while everyone else is on the surface and, and fearing for their lives. And they shake him awake, and he, in one sentence to the Father, calms the storm. So he has this ability to change the attitude, change the culture, change the toxic emotional uh, system that he's in because he's filled with peace. And that's the kind of peace that we want to have in our toxic, toxic anxious system. So here's, here's how we do that. How we do that. We are internally driven by our trust in Jesus, having confidence in our identity in him, and we sort of refuse to engage in the environment of ambient anxiety. So we're taking back our emotional health from the culture. We're not letting other people dictate how we're doing. We are actually coming back to center and being internally driven, defined by who Jesus says that we are, and then also placing and anchoring our hope in what he has promised. So we, we know that circumstances in front of us are adverse. We're actually facing an uphill battle. Everyone understands that. We're not turning a blind eye to it or pretending like it's not there. But what we're saying is that everything that matters, everything that God has promised to us cannot be taken away because we are his children and he loves us. He's called us his beloved. We have an inheritance in his kingdom. We've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places we've been studying in Ephesians, which means that no matter what happens to us, we still have our peace with God, and he has promised to always be with us. So we want to be internally driven. And as we do that, we are modeling a different way of living in a moment of suffering and, and, in, and un uncertainty. And when we do it together, so individually, that's going to have an impact on you and your family and hopefully some of your coworkers and all of that. But if you and I modeled this lifestyle, this way of life, the Jesus way, if we modeled that together, our collective attitude of peace becomes infectious. And the peace of Jesus begins to overtake the spirit of anxiety. And Easter is coming up around the corner. And the first thing that Jesus says to his disciples after he raises from the dead is peace be with you. He says it three different times. We're going to take a deeper look at that on Sunday. Um, but this is, this is a, a, a thing that I want to interact with you about, this, this idea. Because... It's so much easier said than done. I know a lot of you are listening and going, okay, man, you haven't told me anything new. I totally get it. I, I want to be filled with peace, but how do I actually do it? So I want to pause here and first say that if you are afraid or anxious, I understand. The vision from the scriptures is not shame around anxiety. It's entrust to the Lord um, your anxiety to help him work through and process your anxiety. So in no way are we saying, shame on you for being afraid. What we're saying is that with the Lord's help, you don't have to be enslaved to fear anymore. And so the primary way that you work through your anxiety is practicing the presence of God. Andy Crouch wrote this great article, Love in the Time of Coronavirus. And in it, he, he says that it's incumbent on Christian leaders in this time to be well-rested, 
and to be prayed up and to entrust to the Lord all of our anxious and feeble thoughts and hearts so that he can renew us in his strength. One of my favorite scriptures right now is in 2 Corinthians where God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. In no way am I saying that I am completely impervious to fear and worry and anxiety. Not at all. There's all kinds of things that I wonder about and maybe even worry about depending on the moment. But what I am saying is that my weakness is being worked out as I go to the Lord with my worries and my anxieties. And so we're going to, again, end with a time to practice the presence of God together. I want to just introduce to you sort of anecdotally this, this metaphor. So here's why practicing the presence of God and dealing with our anxiety, why those things, two things coming together actually works. My friend uh, Rich, who is a part of our community, he's a fantastic man. If you don't know Rich Travis, you need to know him. He turned 60 this year, and when he turned 60 for his 60th birthday, he decided to compete in an Ironman. So this whole past year, he's been getting ready for an Ironman. And, he, and by the way, he wasn't satisfied with just the normal Ironman, which is insane. He needed to do the extreme Ironman, which means there's like a several mile swim. And then you jump on your bike and he pedaled from sea level to 14,000 feet, back down to sea level, and then back up a second time to 14,000 feet. That is just how hardcore Rich is. And if you don't know Rich, you need to. Buddy, I hope you're listening to this because you definitely deserve the shout out. You've been doing, I'm so inspired by you. You're incredible. So I was talking with Rich about him preparing for this Ironman. And he's, again, turning 60. So he is working through all of these aches and pains while he's training. And if you just ignore the aches and pains as you're training, you can maybe do that for a little bit, a little bit of time, maybe take some Advil or ibuprofen or Tylenol or whatever for a little bit. But if you do that for too long, the root cause of whatever's causing that pain, whatever's causing that ache is going to catch up with you and you're going to become more permanently injured, right? And I think the same applies when it comes to our emotional health. We have all of these escapist behaviors and these ideas to sort of placate the pain and the anxiety that we may be experiencing, but we're not actually dealing with root cause. And I'm not even saying that you need to be a mental health expert in order to work through this because the Lord is with you and he knows how to bring these things to the surface and deal with the root causes of your pain and your anxiety, and your worry, and your fear. He has a way of bringing those to the surface in a very gentle way as you're practicing his presence. And he helps you work through, not just placate uh, the root causes of your fear. Now, um, let me first say, I am not a mental health expert by any stretch. Um, I don't, I'm not a counselor. And uh, some of you probably may need to go and visit your counselor, have a Zoom meeting with your counselor. Um, some of you have a longer journey of mental health that you're already on, and in no way am I trying to sort of undo or redo what you've, the work that you've already done. All I'm simply saying is let's add to your practice, enjoying the presence of God and, help, and having Him work through um, the root causes of where some of this is coming from. And He's gentle. He loves you. He's promised to, to never leave you. So you've got all, all of this safety with him. And so that's why spiritual direction on top of counseling is so, so important. So a couple of uh, scriptures to look at, um, 
Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. This is one of my favorites right now. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sorry, I just knocked over my mic, so I hope that everything's good. But I'll repeat it one more time. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So um, the reason why I think this is such a timely word is because we have the cumulative effect of everything that COVID-19 is bringing to the surface. We have this toxic culture of ambient anxiety that's existed since before COVID-19, but is being heightened in the moment that we're in. And then we have, a, I think, a spiritual stronghold in Central Oregon as well around um, these things. And then on top of that, we're self-quarantined at home, and all of our normal rhythms are disrupted. So what this spells out to me is a perfect opportunity to develop new habits of practicing the presence of God. Not just today, not just tomorrow, not just one prayer and you're done, but a new habit, a new lifestyle of practicing the presence of God. Um, this amazing book written by Ruth Haley Barton on silence and solitude. Um, if you haven't read Ruth Haley Barton, you need to pick up, basically just go on Amazon and find every book she's ever written and just buy them all and work through them during the COVID crisis because I think they, they'd be super, super helpful for you. Um, but she writes on spiritual formation and she has this great invitation to silence and solitude. In the silence, we become aware of inner dynamics that we have been able to avoid by keeping ourselves noisy and busy. They draw us into spiritual battle. In silence and solitude, there is potential for each of us to know that I am God with such certainty that the competing powers of evil and sin and the ego self can no longer hold us in their grip. And all of the forces of evil band together to prevent us knowing God in this way because it brings to an end the dominion of those powers in our lives. So if I'm reading her right, and I think that I am, and I think that this is a biblical idea, that if we really learn to enjoy and practice the presence of God, and not hide away our feelings, but to allow those deep feelings that we sort of let um, stay on the outside of our, of our consciousness, come to the surface in our practice and in our enjoying the presence of God. The Lord's going to help us work through those things and the dominion that fear and worry and anxiety have over us begin to lose their grip. And so I hope this is helpful to you. I hope you've been encouraged by it. And now what I want to do is to just practice what we're talking about. So we're going to have a short guided prayer practice together. So um, if you would just uh, clear uh, your, your mind of any distraction um, if you've got your phone on and giving you notifications, which is probably actually how you're listening to this podcast, it's totally okay. Just maybe turn your phone on airplane mode for a minute so you're not getting notifications of who's liking your Instagram post or who's texting you. And if you're in a noisy place, try and find a cozy spot that's by yourself. Maybe um, put on some shoes and go for a walk. Or maybe you're driving in your car. Whatever you're doing, just slow everything down a bit. Become sort of conscious to your, your breath, and let's welcome the presence of God. So, Lord, we thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're always with us. You've never left us. That's your promise. 
So we trust you. But right now, we, we want to become really aware of what you're doing in our hearts and around us. Believe that you're bringing all kinds of healing and hope to our world right now. And we realize that you have called us to make peace in this fearful world. So we want to become present to you. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Let's just have about 60 or so seconds of silence. Just welcome the Holy Spirit to speak. Now we're going to go back over Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. In your own words to yourself, just pray this prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Now, test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And notice how those anxieties and those Thoughts of mistakes that we've made, words that we wish we could have taken back, attitudes that we wish we didn't have. Notice as those come to the surface, the Lord teaches us to just release them to Him. So it's asking forgiveness, of course, but also just saying, God, I don't want to hold on to my fear anymore. So visualize yourself just coming into the presence of God. and letting go, literally opening up your hands and letting the anxiety and the fears that you have just fall at his feet. And now one last line from Psalm 139. Lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus, we thank you for your peace. We want to practice this not just now, but day in, day out. We love you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, love you guys. I hope that was helpful. Um, leave a comment, share this podcast if, if you found it helpful, and always reach out if there's anything that we can do to serve you. Grace and peace. Peace.